Good morning. Welcome to our worship service for this morning. You're with the McGregor Evangelical Mennonite Church, and it's Sunday, March the 7th, 2021. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims God's handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, yet the voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens you set a tent for the sun. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, its circuit to the end of them. Nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, sure, clear, true and righteous. The fear of the Lord is pure. God, clear us from hidden faults. Teach us to trust you. Let the words and meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. We call out to you as you call out to us to deeper wisdom. Deeper 
calls to deep, we call to you from the depths of our hearts. We confess when we have settled into sameness, forgetting the rhythms of the heavens, ignoring the rhythms of justice. We confess when we have not looked up into the eyes of a neighbor, into your word that still lives. Deep calls to deep, you call us from the depths of your love. Calling us to deep wisdom. We come to you, God. Yeah. 
Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Our God, we come before you today with a prayer for wisdom on our minds, in our hearts. Lord, as we look about the world today that we live in, a picture emerges that is chaotic, that seems unnavigable, that seems hostile even. And so God, the great need for your wisdom in our lives, it is impressed upon us. The great need for your insight into this creation that you made and ordered and said was good, that this will be impressed upon us. God, all too often we feel as if we are just running blindly into the mist. And our Lord, we know with you it is possible to see through things. It is possible to see the way things can go. And so, Lord, we pray, share your wisdom with us. Open our eyes to the ways that we can and we should live. Lord, we pray, please make yourself known to us in this way. And in God, in line with this, looking to the world around us today that is so complicated, that is so sometimes seemingly beyond our reason, please be with us as we try to navigate the to's and from's and the comings and goings of what it is to be a Christian in this day and age. Lord, open our eyes in the ways that we need them to be opened by you in order that we can best live a life that is following after everything that you have. God, this we most certainly ask with all of our being. God, we know that this world that you made is one that is chalk-filled with you. And so we pray, help us to see you like never before. Help us to know how it is that we are to act as people chasing after you. Help us to, our God, we pray, help us to every day be a little better at being your followers. In your name we pray, amen. The scripture reading for today is John 2, verses 13 to 22, and I'll be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. The Jewish Passover was near, so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple complex, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and he also found the money changers sitting there. After making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple complex with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling doves, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remember that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. And so the Jews replied to him, What sign of authority will you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered, Destroy the sanctuary, and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore, the Jews said, This sanctuary took 46 years to build, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the sanctuary of his body. So when he was raised up from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. Good morning. Let's pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And may your words and your meditation speak to our hearts in whatever ways you want it to. Help us to be open and that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. In the name of Jesus, amen. Interesting passage. Get that out of my face. Interesting passage in John. When when I see John watching Jesus I see some things here in John in, in, that he recorded that makes me wonder. For one thing, Jesus walks into the temple and he must have taken some cords that were there in this uh, barnyard. And he must have taken some kind of cords and tied them onto something and braided them. Uh, it's, because it seems like it was kind of a process because he made a whip. 
And, and then John, I, I, I'm guessing he just stood there and he thought, what in the world are you doing, Jesus? And of course, when Jesus got his whip finished and he drove the animals out of the courtyard and then he comes to the money changers and it, it seems like according to John that Jesus kind of took his arm and he wiped the, t- the table clean of all the coins and the coins must have just been rolling all over this rocky f- floor that was in the temple. And then, for dramatic effect or whatever, Jesus takes these big, heavy, wooden tables, ones that he's probably built similar ones to him when over the years that he was a carpenter, and he grabs this table and he flips it. And I don't know if, if you can imagine a heavy, wooden table when it hits the floor. The whole courtyard would have known it. The whole courtyard would have seen and heard what had happened. And then he goes to the, the people that were selling the doves, and he says, get out of here. He says, how dare you turn my father's house into a market? And the Jews stood around. It doesn't say Jewish leaders in John. The Jews stood around and says, like, what are you doing? We're supposed to be here. This is the Passover. We need these animals to sacrifice. And Jesus says to them, he looks at them and he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. I think these Jews looked at him as if he was crazy. It's a very interesting passage. And... um, it's a chunk of scripture that I've glossed over many times. I, I just didn't really think about it. It had no real impact on me, so I moved on. And uh, another thing that I struggled with is I, I didn't like the fact that Matthew, Mark, and Luke record this cleansing of the temple at one spot of Jesus' ministry, and then John plugs it right in the beginning of his ministry. It's not that long after he turned water into wine. And as, as I studied it and read the other passages, I realized that the three Gospels were very similar. And Jesus said almost exactly the same thing. Mark 11 says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, and you have made it a den of robbers. Very similar in Matthew and Luke as well. John sees something different. He sees something, he says some unique statements that are only in John. And as a lot of people have said that there's a possibility that there's two cleansings of the temple. And when I looked at all four of the cleansings of the temple, I I had to agree with them that I don't think John got mixed up where he put it. And I don't think that the other gospel writers got mixed up. And as much as I can tell, now there's no proof for it, but there was two cleansings. John has his here right in the beginning, and the other three gospels are after Palm Sunday. And that's where this, that, that cleansing happens. John's purpose was a little bit different than the other Gospels as well. John's purpose was to show, at least my understanding for myself, is to show Jesus for who he really was. Jesus was about to change life as they know it. In this story, I like to set aside a couple things that I've often heard people go to. And, and, I, and I think that those things, they, they somewhat take our eyes away from what's really important here. For one thing, this story is not simply about Jesus getting angry. Yes, Jesus got angry. Yes, Jesus drove everybody out of the temple. But I think there's more to this story than that. It's also not about the animal brokers and the money changers being in the temple. Jesus knew they were in the temple. 
He had been to the temple many times. It was no surprise when he walked into the outer Gentile court and he saw all this happening. He'd seen it before. People had traveled for many days to come to the Passover. They needed a sacrifice. They couldn't bring anything from home. It had been way too far for them to come. And plus, they came from another country, so the money that they had was the wrong money. So they had to exchange it. So that this was all stuff happening in the temple that was very normal and common. And Jesus walks in and does something that the Jews are, what's going on here? Yeah, there was a lot of profit going on for the priest mafia that there was. There was animals that when people did bring animals, they would look at them and say, well, well it's not quite perfect, so I think you need to buy from us and for prices that were way higher than what the going rate was. The, when they exchanged money, it cost them way more than what the money was actually worth. And they asked for a sign. The Jews asked for a sign. They didn't understand what he was talking about. In fact, the disciples had a hard time understanding what he was, what he was talking about. It did finally make sense to them because they remembered. Life in the temple that Jesus walked into was business as usual. There was a tunnel vision. This is the way they had always done it. This is the way they were always going to do it. And life carried on. They all had their roles. It was all normal. And Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. They had no idea. I think Jesus went into the temple that day for one reason, one goal, and that was to throw out and overturn business as usual. When I look at my life, when you look at your life, what are the things in your life that are normal and secure and that we like them in place, but sometimes it is things that God needs to throw over and God needs to chase out of his temple. It is so easy to fall into life, the life of business as usual. It's way more comfortable. It's way more safe. It's easy to get into a rut. It's very hard to see that you're in the rut and very difficult to get out even once you see it because business as usual is much simpler. Sometimes you just show up, but you're not really there. That's business as usual. Or people have asked me, how are you? And I smile, and everything is good smile. But behind my smile, my heart is heavy, and I feel hollow. Business as usual. Maybe you have not felt like yourself. Boredom overcome you, overcame you. COVID-19 is one of those times of boredom sometimes. It's business as usual. No enthusiasm or wonder. We are busy, but not getting anywhere. Business as usual can happen in friendships, in marriages, in parenting, in work, in church, and our personal life. But these things are not the problem. They are only the symptom. It's the same for the animals and the money changers in the temple. They were not the problem. There's something deeper going on. The problem is not so much in the temple, but in the human heart. I read a blog from a fellow by the name of Michael Marsh, and uh, he's, he's, it spoke a lot of truth to my heart. And some of the things that I'm sharing today are from that blog. And he writes this, he says, the deeper issue is what gives rise to business as usual. Sometimes it's about our fear. We're fearful about what is happening in our life or the uncertainty of the future. We want some type of security and predict predictivity so we can keep 
the same old things. Business as usual is predictable and steady, but it creates an illusion of security. Sometimes business as usual is a symptom of our grief and sorrow. Something has been lost and we can't get it back. And the life we cling to is business as usual because it's familiar and we want some stability. Other times we are so busy and worn that making a living, at, at making a living that life turns into one task after another. Never ending to -do, to, a to-do list. It's business as usual. Maybe we have taken people, relationships for granted. Maybe we have taken things for granted. Maybe we have lost our sense of gratitude and wonder and mystery. Not saying this as a criticism or a judgment on you or for me, but I'm just naming some of the things that happen to us. What does business as usual look, at, look like in your life? The question I ask myself, why do I keep falling back into business as usual? There's a lot of reasons. I try so hard not to let it happen. But again, there's a lot of reasons why I fall back into it. I pray for renewal. I pray for revival. I pray for a moving of the spirit. And then I fall back into business as usual because it feels safe. This week we had a ministerial meeting and uh, Donna shared out of uh, 1 Samuel and she shared a story uh, about um, Samuel and Eli. Samuel is a little boy and he was laying in his bed and he hears his name. It wakes him up and he says, oh, Eli needs me. And he makes his way over to where Eli is sleeping and he shakes him and he says, Eli, what would you like? Eli says, Samuel, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And I'm thinking, because I know what it is as you get older, you just lay there. You, how can you go back to sleep again? And he's laying there, and Eli, I, I, I picture Eli thinking about this. Like, where did he hear this voice from? Well, Samuel lays back down, probably falls asleep again, because that's easy when you're young, and he hears his name. He gets up and goes to Eli again. And he says, Eli, what would you like? Eli says, I didn't call you, Samuel. The next time that you hear your voice, say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Your servant is hearing. Samuel goes back to bed. And I can imagine Eli laying there and thinking, God, it would have been so amazing if my sons had a heart like Samuel. But Samuel gets back to his bed and he hears his, his name again. And he says, yes, Lord. Your servant's listening. And God used Samuel in some incredible ways. He was listening. And Donna posed the question or posed the statement, I would just love for God to call out my name and tell me what I'm supposed to do. And I thought about this. And I'm going to come back to it. There are many different reasons why business as usual isn't left behind in my life, and it may be in yours as well. As I thought about it, as I read about it, there came one thought, one word that I realized for me was the reason why business as usual is safer. Why that I will I love to have the stability of business as usual. And the word is forgetfulness. And you're thinking, what kind of a spiritual word is that? Forgetfulness. I forget that I am really the temple of God and that God lives in me. forget it. And when business as usual is going to happen, I forget who I really am. That in my heart, 
God is living in me. We forget that all of creation is the residence of God. We forget that any direction we face, any direction we turn, the face of God is gazing upon us with an undying, unending love. We forget it. And when we forget, we go back to the thing that's safe. When we forget, we have situations where we don't hear the voice of God because God spoke to Samuel, but God is speaking to us through his presence all the time. We need to listen. We need to listen and hear. When we forget these things about ourselves and each other, and more importantly about God, Life becomes business as usual. Life can become a series of transactions. Prior, uh, priorities get rearranged. And making a living replaces living a life. Life becomes a marketplace as it was in the temple in Jerusalem. We, along with the animal brokers, the money changers, and their bosses, the priest mafia, forget that God is more interested in us than our holy festivals. God wants more than our offering. He wants our attention. He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts to be set on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He wants for our minds to be set on things above, not on earthly things. For we have died and our life is in God. When God, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Forgetfulness, it has been a lifelong struggle for me. I think I have found the answer to forgetfulness. It's an answer that God is slowly working in my life. There has been green shoots sprout in that battle that I'm going through, and it's slowly growing to change my forgetfulness. A number of years ago, I felt that I needed to go to 24-7 at Valley View Camp. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Steve Jantz who was going to speak there, and I really didn't. Um, I saw the heading for the, for the sessions, and I thought, eh, boy, it doesn't sound very interesting. But I really felt that God wanted me, there, me to be there. So I, 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 I went, and then I remember sitting up in that upper room at Valley View, and, uh, and Steve Jantz gets up there and he starts with the title of what he's saying. I'm thinking, yeah, I've heard this before. Like, what in the world am I doing here? And the topic that he was sharing with us is preaching the gospel to yourself. And I'm thinking, like, we get the gospel every Sunday. I read my Bible. What's he talking about? I've shared it with people before a little bit, and I like to share it not nearly like Steve Jantz did with us because we had four sessions and he just, we went through verse after passage after passage after verse and, and we just dug through it and thought about it and talked about it. The reason I like to share it with you is because in Titus, 3, verse 4 to 7, is one of the most amazing little preaching the gospel to yourself that I have found in the Word. 
just in one chunk, three verses or four verses, one chunk of verses. And then I like to read what else it says there. And this is why I think this is really, really important. I'll read this chunk of verses as well. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Listen to these next three verses. This is a trustworthy saying. I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. And as God led me through the cleansing of the temple and the struggle of business as usual in my life, and I realized that the problem all of my life has been forgetfulness. I forget who I am in Christ and what God has done for me and is doing for me every day. And I realize that I need to share with you people that I love, people that I care about, some amazing truths that God is continually working in my life. Now, when Steve Jantz, when, when, when he went through this, it was beginning to, I was beginning to understand the, the, the power of this, preaching the gospel to yourself. And so when the weekend was over, he uh, sent something home with us, and it was something that he used every day of his life to preach the gospel to himself. And, and another thing, Steve Jansen, he's a, he's a president of Sun, Sunny Bray uh, Bible College, which is an arm of Miller Bible College, and he's a professor there, and so I'm thinking, like, but he said that he has found that preaching the gospel to himself every day is so crucial for his life. And that kind of spoke to me as well. And I'd like to start this preaching the gospel to myself with these three words. Life is undivided. And I desire with all my heart that whether I, it's in, a, in my marriage, whether it's in my grandparenting, whether it's in my f uh, parenting as a, uh, for my children, whether it's in my work relationships, whether it's in just the people that I brush so shoulders with, whether it's my church relationships, that my life, my heart's desire is that it's undivided. Everything is about Jesus. Preaching the gospel to myself has helped me to remember. It's helped me to keep focused a little bit more. I've got, I've got so far to go that uh, sometimes I wonder if it's anywhere, but God is at work, and I'm so thankful. Okay. I find this really exciting. So if, if I get kind of uh, wound up a little bit, don't worry about it. Uh, it's just, this, I, I just love this stuff. I just love this. I could talk about this all day. All right, in the midst of my helpless, hopeless, desperate, sin-damned, hell-bound state, God, in his infinite love, sent his son Jesus to the cross, where God justly poured out his wrath on his son. And he poured it out against my sin and rebellion. And there, for the joy set before him, as much of a struggle going to the cross was for Jesus, but for the joy set before him, Jesus willingly suffered. He was rejected by his disciples. He bled. The, his blood ran out of his hands and his feet and his head and his back, and, and the cross would have been red with blood. His blood poured out, and he died. I read this story, Richard Werbrandt says it, uh, he's the uh, one who started Voice of the Martyrs. 
Uh, he comes from Romania. He was in prison for 14 years. Anyways, he was talking to a Russian official. And this Russian official, he, for some reason, God had instilled a desire in him to love God. He didn't understand it, but he loved God and he wanted to be who God wanted him to be. Richard Werbrandt was talking to him and he realized and he started to share the gospel message with this Russian official, this officer. And, and when he came to tell him that Jesus hung on the cross and died, this Rus Russian officer broke down and he fell to the floor and he was just weeping like a baby because this, the God that he was searching for was dead. And Richard Werbrandt, was just so taken back, but he said he, he very quickly said to him, yes, but he rose again from the dead. And this Russian officer jumps to his feet, looks at Richard Warbrandt, and just does dancing around the room. He arose, he said. This is amazing. I, I knew I served a living God. And he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior right there. Um, that is... Amazing stuff. Jesus suffered, bled, and died. But he rose again. The grave couldn't hold him. And in the power of his resurrection, he poured out his rich mercy and grace on us. He gave me eyes to see his beauty. Oh, when I read this line the first time, the first, I, you know, I got to tell you something. It, it took me, after a month of, of doing this, I thought, oh, man, okay, I give it another month. Oh, but before that next month was up, it was starting to make sense to me. I started to realize that this was something that I needed, even though I had been a Christian for decades. He gave me eyes to see his beauty. I, I can remember reading that. I'm thinking, man, I don't know. All of a sudden, the light started to flicker, and I began to see the beauty of Jesus and what he did. He gave me faith to trust his promised forgiveness. I still beat myself up, but I used to beat myself up a lot more because through the power of the resurrection, I have more faith Trust his promised forgiveness of my sins. Jesus took my sinfulness for his goodness. And he placed on me a cloak of his righteousness. Well, three weeks ago, maybe it's four, somewhere in there, uh, Candace, we, we were on FaceTime, and she says, whoa, I got some great news for you. And he, she called her oldest son, Sterling, to come over, and she said, Sterling, let's tell Grandpa and Grandma what happened. And uh, he looked at us on FaceTime a little bit sheepishly. Remember, you asked Jesus into your heart. He says, yeah, I asked Jesus into my heart. And when I read that Jesus placed on us his cloak of righteousness. I picture my grandson Sterling and Jesus placed this cloak of his righteousness all over him because Jesus forgave his sin and came to live in him. The power of the resurrection. He took my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh, a heart that was soft for him a heart that was alive in him. Through the power of his resurrection, he justified me. He declared me absolutely pure and blameless before the throne of heaven. I can't wrap my head around that. All the stuff that I've done, all the rebellion that I've been through, and yet through the power of the resurrection and what Jesus has done for me, before the throne of heaven, I am pure and blameless. And then he sealed me with his Holy Spirit. 
making me his absolute possession. Amazing. Amazing. And then after everything he's done, this is the one that I, I, I've just been, it's just been, I've been thinking about so much in the past two months. He adopted us. He adopted us. Romans 8, do not behave like cowering, fearful slaves, but instead behave like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him father, dear father. And since we are God's children, God gives us everything that he gave to his son, Jesus. Wow, that's what I call adoption. He didn't, he didn't skimp on anything. He didn't say, well, Sheldon doesn't get that because he's messed up. No, no. He adopted and he gave everything to me. He gave everything to you that he gave to his son, Jesus. It's incredible. I, I got to read Galatians because uh, yeah, this, is, this is pretty cool stuff. Uh, Galatians 4.4. 4. And when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive full rights as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son and daughter. And since you are a son. God has made you also an heir. Does it make you excited? It does me. God adopted us. It's incredible. I told you, this, this really excites me. And then all of this that Jesus did for us, it brought me into an intimate and a cherished relationship with my Heavenly Father. Now, I usually go on with this. After thinking and meditating on all that Jesus has done, now Jesus' life that lives within me by the Holy Spirit has daily made me a new creation and is forming Christ's character in me. He has given me everything I need for my life today by living in surrender and control to him, he saturates, saturates my heart with inexpressible joy and gladness, satisfying me completely in Jesus. This new life that Jesus lives in me is lived in sacrificial service and love towards others so that they too may see and embrace Jesus as their Lord, as their greatest treasure. And then, beyond all that, Jesus has given me a glorious guarantee and absolute hope of life beyond this one. Eternity in his presence, heaven. What an amazing gospel. What an amazing truth that God wants us to live every day so we don't forget what he's done for us. So we don't forget. And so we business as, is as usual. And we just go on with life without really stopping and sensing God speaking to our hearts as Samuel did. Preaching the gospel to my soul is one of the major ways that God is changing business as usual for me. Do I do and say the things that I would like to? Not always. Sometimes I would love to retract the things I say and do. I would love to be able to replay them in a way that God would want me to. But God is working in my heart, and he's forming me. And I don't know where God is going to bring me to, but I know that his plans are amazing. And I know that his plans for each one of you is incredibly amazing. 
And I encourage you, even if you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really got it. I really don't need to preach the gospel to myself. And I don't know, you don't have to do it the way I do it. You can do it the way you do it, but I think that it is crucially important that as children of God, that in some way we preach the gospel to ourselves. This is what the center of our life ought to be, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. At the back table, I've got some papers that Steve Jantz uh, has uh, two years ago gave me these, the first session I was with him was four years ago, but two years ago he gave us gave them to us, and you can take one. I've got a, just over twenty copies there, and if you want more, just photocopy them. There's no there's no copyrights on this, so it's truth from the word, and there's scripture there. You can check it out in scripture and and all of this amazing truths. But I just like to I like to close. thought about this for a while, and there, there might be somebody here that kind of feels that, that God isn't living in your temple, inside your heart, and you struggle at this, at what I'm talking about is any big deal. I'm going to wait up in front on the, on the chairs here, and I, if you would like to talk about your relationship with God and start a brand new relationship with God today, then you come up to the front, and, and we'll pray together. We'll talk about it for a few minutes, because as my grandson was quite excited, and he's, uh, I'm going to think, yeah, four years old, and he was so excited about asking Jesus into his heart. It's, I, I, it just, your life would change when Jesus is in control. So I'll, I'll wait here in front of you, and you, you come up, and, and uh, Pastor Russell will come talk to you as well. Um, it's, it's so important. I'm going to close by reading those verses in Colossians 3 again. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When God, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Lord God, I thank you for today. I thank you. Uh, I thank you for what you're doing in my heart. God, continue to mold me and make me. Continue to help me to not forget the amazing gifts that you have given me every day. And I pray for each person here, Lord. Uh, Lord, I don't know. Lord, you, you heard me tell Ron before the service that it's just, it, it's mind-boggling to me that you keep showing me things at my age. And I know that it makes no difference how old or young we are. You tell us stuff. You show us stuff. You take us down different roads that we thought we had been down before, but we realize that you've got so much more to show us. And so I, I pray for each person here, no matter what age, that uh, they would realize that the gospel is exciting. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that, that doesn't know you, Jesus, give them the courage to start a relationship with you today. Give them the courage to come forward later and talk about it. You're a great God. You're a good God. We glorify you and honor you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Our benediction today comes from the book of Ephesians. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Go now and serve our Lord.